All right, good to see everybody this morning. You made it to church, it's good. Sunny June out there, looks beautiful. We've been uh, working on a little series on uh, hearing God's voice, communicating with God. And as we begin, um, just going to do a quick, quick hearing God exercise. And so just uh, take a moment to become aware again of just God's presence. Sense his love for you right now. And then just ask God this question God, what word of encouragement do you have for me today? What word of encouragement do you have for me today? God, we thank you that you speak to us, God, um, and as we journey on this adventure of just trying to learn your, your voice in, in more clear ways, God, we pray for your help and your assistance. God, we pray that you would be speaking to us through this time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, have you heard a word of encouragement? Kind of in your spirit, maybe a small, gentle word or voice or a picture, that's awesome. If you're like, I still don't get it. That's okay as well. It uh, takes a little bit sometimes to get this, and that's okay. The last thing you want to do is beat yourself up or shame yourself for, for not getting it, because uh, that generally just makes it worse in the end. Uh, today we're going to talk about hearing God in terms of guidance, in terms of uh, a little bit of direction. Maybe you're here and you have a big decision to make. You know, do you go left? Do you go right? Do you go up? Do you go down? God, help me. Uh, we're going to talk about... Um, Hearing God for guidance. And so a bit of a review, we've talked about how hearing God should just be like an everyday normal experience for all of us. When you look at scripture, from the beginning to end, people are constantly hearing God. People are, uh, God is constantly talking to us. And he, every day and every moment, God is whispering to us through the Holy Spirit. And we went through just a number of tips over a few different messages on and how to hear God better, how to help us hear God. We talked about that it can take time to learn to discern his voice, just as a little baby, it takes time for them to learn the voice of their parents, so too it takes us time to learn God's voice. We talked about how God's voice always lines up with his character. If you hear a voice of you know, condemnation, a voice of shame, a voice of accusation, you know that that's not God. God's voice is gentle, it is loving, it is life-giving. Sometimes, yes, it is convicting, but it's always full of life and love and goodness. And so it always lines up with the character of God, it always lines up with the fruit of the Spirit. His voice will be loving and joyful and peaceful and, and patient. God's voice always agrees with Scripture. Uh, you can check Scripture. Does it line up with Scripture? Now, sometimes it can differ from an, our interpretation of Scripture. We're going to actually see that today in a passage but it always agrees with Scripture. And God often speaks in a quiet and gentle manner. Most people hear God best when they're quiet, 
and just kind of tuning into their spirit. It's when most people hear God best. Uh, we talked about how God's voice often sounds a bit like our own voice and our own thoughts. And, and this is where a lot of people kind of get mis- mixed, uh, mixed up because they're expecting, and sometimes God does this, where the voice is completely different, but often is kind of subtly just kind of in our spirit and it goes into our spirit and through our mind. And so it sounds sometimes a little bit like our own thoughts and voice. And you remember when Jesus threw out a question to Peter and, and Peter throws out the answer and Peter just thought it was his own answer. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That was God speaking. And sometimes we think it's our own thought, but it's actually God speaking to us. Uh, we talked about learning to trust and have faith in the flow of the Holy Spirit in you. I mean, if you just kind of like, God never speaks to me and you know, I doubt that God would ever speak to me because I'm such a screw-up or whatever. I mean, have faith that the Holy Spirit is in you. Have faith that the Holy Spirit speaks. And number eight, we talked about how, uh, or number seven, placing value on hearing God's voice to be intentional uh, in the idea that we always hear, uh, those people we know well, we, we, we discern their voice. I mean, I know the voice of my kids. I know the voice of my wife. And the more time you spend with God, the more clarity you have in hearing his voice. And lastly, we talked about how God's voice is not as much about direction as it is about relationship. It's going for the crackers. Very good, yeah. We can all use more grace in our life, so go for it. Yeah. Listen for those words of love, listen for those words of encouragement, listen for those words of life. Now, uh, there are times when we need help in terms of direction. Now, again, I just said that God's mostly going to focus on a relationship, not as much about direction, but there are times when we need direction. And if your life is only focused on direction, there's an issue. If, if your whole relationship with God is, you know, just give me direction and, and give me correction, and you're not actually experiencing a love relationship, there's something weird about that. I mean, if I said, you know, my relationship with my wife is all about direction and correction. I just tell her what to do and I correct her when she's wrong. You'd be like, there's a serious issue with that. That's, that's abusive. <laughs> and yet sometimes, you know, we fall in that trap with God. You know, God is just, he kind of controls my life and he just gives me direction and correction. And that's my whole relationship with God. Well, you're actually describing a somewhat of an abusive kind of relationship you need to walk in the giving and receiving of love with God. And as part of that, there are times when God will direct you and he will correct you. And so uh, there are times in our life when we end up in spots like this, where, as it says in Second Chronicles, we don't know what to do or I have no idea what to do, but God, I'm looking to you for help. Uh, I don't know what to do about this decision. What, you know, I have like, these big career options. Do I take this career or do I go this way? Do I move here or to there? Do, I mean, we are faced with big decisions often in life. And, and thankfully, God is there to help us. It says in Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Or Isaiah 30, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And that's the voice we were trying to learn, the voice of God who is, this is the way, walk in it. Don't go right, go left here. Don't go up, go down, down in this situation. 
And so when we're faced with, with difficult decisions, we can look to God for guidance to help us make those decisions. And of course, Jesus being our example, our model, I mean, uh, a Christian really is just a follower of Jesus, and we look to the way Jesus lived, and we want to kind of model our life after Jesus. And Jesus, his, his, every decision was kind of saturated in, God, what's your will, and what's your desire for this? And we see Jesus explain to the people, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And Jesus being sensitive to the direction and flow of where God is working and, and in his life. And we can enter into that. Where we look to God to guide our decisions that we have to make every single day. Now, some people kind of over, oversimplify this direction thing. And they'll simply say, well, if it's an open door, it must be God. I'm going through the open door. And that is part of discerning God's direction for us. I mean, sometimes God does open a door. We see Paul praying. He says, pray for me that a door would be open, that I may preach the gospel. And open doors are often a sign of God's direction, but not always. Sometimes an open door can actually not be where God is leading us. And we see this in, in various passages. For instance, in Mark 1, it says, before daybreak the next morning... Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. This is a great open door. What a ministry opportunity. There's all these people who want you to minister to them. Jesus must be God's will. It's an open door. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. I'll preach to them. I mean, seems like an open door. It seems like a big opportunity for the kingdom, but... The Holy Spirit was saying, no, not now. Uh, go in a different direction. And there will be times when we will be faced with things that just kind of look like an open door in our life. But, but when we tune into the Holy Spirit, he may whisper, actually, I want you to go in a different direction. Another example might be Mark 14. I said, that evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. I mean, they might have said, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> these, these folks need food. It's an open door. Send them home. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. I mean, it seemed actually like a closed door, but it was actually God's will. And so sometimes open doors are not the way. Sometimes a closed door is the way. And this is why, and then we have our own voice and the voice of other people speaking into our lives. And some, so we have so many opportunities and go on to the internet and what career should I take? And I mean, we have, we get, we get frozen sometimes in, in, in just all the choices we have. I mean, how do we make decisions? How do we invite God into our decisions? And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time. And it begins simply, simply by, by asking God. I mean, it's something funny sometimes that we miss this, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, you know, what should I do? It's like, have you ever asked God? It's like, well, no. Start there. It's a good place to start. Uh, James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And there's a part of actually having faith in this verse that when I ask God, he is going to give me wisdom. So you can simply ask God, God, is this what I should do? 
Uh, God, is this a good idea? Should, should I go this way or should I go that way? And then as we've learned, you want to listen to God speak into your spirit and hear what he has to say. And so ask God. This is why Jesus, who is our representative, our, the one we follow, he constantly went to pray. He was in the mountains by himself to pray. He, he prayed all night before he made the decision to, to, um, to pick his disciples. And those big decisions Pray and ask God and listen to the Spirit and tune in and have a sense of what God is saying to you. And so you ask God, you might get a, a variety of answers. You probably get more than just these, but overly simplified, you may sense God saying, yes, do it, go for it. You might hear him say, yes, but with a little change. You might hear God say, no, nah, not a good idea. You might hear God say, no, but a little shift to that idea. Uh, you may hear God say, wait, great idea, not the right time. And you might also hear, and a lot of people will dismiss this one as well. Sometimes God just turns it around and says, actually, I don't care. What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, I'm good at that. Because whatever you do, I'm going to be with you. Whatever you do, I can use you. What's your choice? And I think God a lot of times actually throws it back to us. Because again, this is what we do in love relationships. And again, I don't control my wife in every single decision. She doesn't ask me about every single decision she has to make. I mean, my kids, you know, if they came up to me and were like, you know, should I wear a green shirt or a red shirt today? I'd be like, well, what do you want to wear? You know, you know uh, what should I eat for breakfast? Should I have this or this? It's like, well, what do you want to eat for breakfast? And, you know, even my kids were like, what should I do for a career? Should I be a carpenter or a, I don't know, oil worker or something? I don't know. I would say, hey, what do you want to do? What's on your heart? Uh, because I love you. Again, God doesn't control every decision, doesn't want to control every one of our decisions. He's in a love relationship. And so allow God to, to just love you in your choice of things. And so and we see some major decisions in the scripture that God kind of threw it back. Like the whole Solomon's temple in the Old Testament. <laughs> I mean, that's a major thing. It's a, it's a big part. But God actually didn't ask for a temple. It was David's idea. Now David is like, I want to do something big for my awesome God, so I think I'm going to design a temple. And it was later his son Solomon who built it. But through the prophet, uh, God says this to the king. Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. If you want to build a temple, awesome. It's on your heart. Great. I'm going to be behind you. I'm going to be with you. And, and God used it. But God goes on to say, you know, I didn't ask for it. It wasn't like something I needed, but my son David wanted to do this and I got behind it. And sometimes God is like that with us. He's like, well, what do you want to do? You want to do that career? You want to do that career? Great. I can use you in both and I can be, uh, you can work in the kingdom in both of those things. What's on your heart? Again, God loves you. He doesn't want to control all your decisions. And so sometimes you might just hear God say, hey, what do you want to do? I'm with you. I I'm going to do it with you. And that may be what God says, as he said to, to David. Second question in this guidance thing is, what is your own spirit saying? So you can tune into God speaking to your spirit. But another question to ask is, what is your own spirit saying? Because the reality is, and scripturally, your deepest desire way down in your spirit is often connected to God's will and God's desire. And so a simple question to ask is, what is my deepest desire? Not what is my desire, what is my deepest 
desire when it comes to this big decision I'm making. Paul said this in Philippians 2. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, and He's at work in your desires, it says, in your deepest desires. And He's always just saying, you know, follow my ways, go in my direction. And, and, and so you can just tune into your deepest desire. And sometimes when people come to me for a big decision, you know, sometimes they say, well, what is your deepest desire in this situation? Because often connected to God's desire. The reality is you have a good heart. You have good desires down deep inside. Don't listen to those folks who say, well, your deepest desires are all corrupt and you're a sinner and, and you have bad desires and your heart is deceitful so you can't trust anything that, that goes on in your being. Don't listen to that. You know, sometimes people will throw out this verse in Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is most deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so don't listen. Your desires are all wrong. You, didn't, you know, don't tune into those. You just have to try to put yourself away and just listen to God. And that is completely old covenant, <laughs> missing Jesus, missing the Holy Spirit, missing the, everything that Jesus has done, missing the gospel. I mean, the reality is, the new covenant comes with a new heart. Your deceitful heart has been put away and God has now installed a new heart into you. So Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart in replace of that Jeremiah kind of heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you, a refreshed, renewed spirit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So your new heart is responsive to God. It's alive to God. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So built right into this new heart and our desires is this desire to follow God and to go his way and to, and to, and to follow him. And so look to those desires. Look to your new heart. Look to the work of your spirit inside and, and dig down into your deepest desires because you know that's, that's a desire and a heart that God has put in there. And then the Holy Spirit's in you as well. God, what do you want me to do? And then you can check that with, does that line up with my deepest desires? God, what are you doing deep down inside of me? Another check we can use is, what feels the most peaceful in your spirit? God always wants us to walk in peace. God is the giver of peace. And so just the question is, when it comes to this decision, do I go left or right, up or down? What is seemingly giving me the most peace when I think about what gives me the greatest peace inside? I mean, Philippians 4 says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God's peace in you actually guards your heart and mind. It guards your life. And this is why you always want to stay in peace and be locked into peace because you know if you've lost peace, maybe you got off track and then you've got to ask the question, where did I lose the peace? And you've got to go back to where you lost the peace and get it again and start walking in, in the way again. And so you can, you can check, uh, God, does this decision give me peace? Do I sense peace from your Holy Spirit? Because it's His peace that guards your heart in mind. It keeps you in line with the way he wants you to go. 
And so another check is to check with, is it giving you peace? This, even all these things we talked about, the first three points can be summed up in Acts 15. It's when the church had to make a huge decision. I mean, their whole theological system and Old Covenant theology system had this great separation between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And their temple had a, you know, the Gentiles couldn't even go into the temple. They were separate. They were, you know, couldn't get as close to God as, as, the, as, as the chosen people. And so they had this huge decision to make. Do we include Gentiles into the church? And are we going to make them obey all the Old Testament laws? And so they had this big meeting. All the big church head honchos got together and they chatted and they prayed. And in the end, they make a decision and... This is what they say about their decision. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Notice they didn't just say, it felt good to the Holy Spirit. Because I don't trust my own heart. I don't trust their own thing inside. You know? it only felt, no, it felt good to the Holy Spirit. And it also felt good to our spirits. There was peace there. That, to my new heart, to those desires that God has put into me. And so when you're making big decisions, you, when you make that, you should say, Man, that it was a hard decision, and maybe there's some sacrifice, and this is going to be a big step of faith, but in the end, this feels good to the Holy Spirit, and it feels good to me. And so, that's how the early church made decisions, and, and we can make decisions in the same manner. Number four, we want to look for confirmation. Uh, you know, if God doesn't do something small, like, hey, would you, you know... Say something nice to the person sitting next to you. You don't have to like, oh man, God, give me confirmation if I should say something nice because this is like, no, just do it. But if God says, you're, you're sensing maybe God is saying, you know, hey, I want you to pack everything up and move to northern Alaska and live there for the rest of your life. Okay, I, you should get some confirmation because that's a big decision. I mean, the bigger decision or the more it's going to affect your life and the life of others, you should look for confirmation because... All of us will hear God wrong at times, and sometimes uh, we don't get it right. And so we need confirmation for big decisions. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with asking for confirmation. Some people say, if you ask for confirmation, it's a lack of faith. No, because you see God doing that all over Scripture. For instance, in Mark 16, it says, The disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs that there was this confirmation that this is God why because there's confirmation there's a miracle or Hebrews 2 God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose and God will can confirm his message to you as well if he's asking you to do something big he will confirm his message to you we see example, another example in Luke. Jesus says to this, this man who, who is paralyzed, he said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And he, did, of course, did both. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. This is confirmation. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, 
pick up your mat and walk. He's confirming the message. He's confirming what he said. And you see this all over the scripture. And probably the most famous passage of all is the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon, in a quick summary, is um, Israel had been greatly oppressed. And they were overtaken by other nations, and, and they were being oppressed, they were hungry, uh, beat up, downtrodden, and God says, it's time to set people of Israel free. And, uh, and so um, God comes and asks Gideon to do it, and Gideon replies, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. You ever prayed that prayer? <laughs> God, give me a sign. If, if this is really you, turn that red light green, you know, whatever, you know not the best thing to do that that's yeah uh, give me a sign we know that's like because we want confirmation and, and again there's nothing wrong with that scripturally give me a sign that is really you talking to me please do not go away until i come back and bring my offering and set it before you and the lord said i will wait until you return god didn't say oh it's a lack of faith for confirmation how dare you ask for confirmation that's really dumb god does it and the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread, the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Boy, would I want confirmation like that, wouldn't we all? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll, I got it, I'm moving to Alaska. <laughs> Most of the time, it has to be more subtle. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that was pretty good confirmation. But you know, Gideon, like this is such a big thing, he still was like, I'm still not quite convinced, you know? It's like maybe, maybe that was just like a weird thing. Maybe it was a pizza or something. I don't know. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hands as you've promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. So God confirms it's the second time. I mean, two, like, incredible, miraculous confirmations. And then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. <laughs> Let me make just one more. So he's going to ask for confirmation a third time. And you can tell he's still under kind of Old Testament theology of, like, you know, God's going to, you know, kind of an angry God, and if I ask him three times for confirmation, he's going to send fire and burn me up, for all I know. God's like, he's like, they still didn't have the full revelation that Jesus brought of this loving, good God. Don't be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. And so this is three very clear confirmations of God's request and message. And, and uh, the interesting thing here is, uh, God didn't see this as a lack of faith. In fact, God gives Gideon another confirmation that Gideon didn't even ask for. God himself says, Gideon, I am going to confirm this a fourth time for you. Gideon didn't even ask. Uh, God loves to confirm those big decisions with, with little things or big things in our midst. There's one more example of a big decision that was confirmed very clearly by God. And so when God is asking you to make a big decision and, and you think you're going, he's going to confirm that in some way. So look for that confirmation. This was Acts chapter 10. This, this verse was 
a major shift in theology for people who followed God. It went against everything that they had been taught and learned. Uh, it was like, this is like, this is like going against the Bible almost kind of thing. And so God confirmed it a lot. And actually, I pretend it says, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. I like that verse. I believe in that right now. Yeah, I'm kind of hungry, actually. <laughs> Forgot my builder bar this morning. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. So if I fall into a trance, you know why, yeah? And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean because my Bible says you're not supposed to eat anything impure or unclean. Of course, I'm not going to do that. The voice spoke to him a second time. So God's going to confirm this. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. I mean, God confirms it once, twice, three times because it was going against kind of Old Testament theology because the Old Covenant was going out, the New Covenant was coming in. And later this, they, they saw this as developing into this idea that it's not specifically talking about unclean, you know, meat to eat, but is talking about people who were seen as unclean. The foreigners, the Gentiles, who were always seen as unclean, who weren't allowed in the temple, God would say, no, they are absolutely equal in every way. Don't push them away. And because this was such a radical thing for the early church, a radical shift in theology, God confirms it three times here. And then you read through the rest of Acts, God confirms it in Acts 10 later, in Acts 10, through confirmation, Again, and actually, angel shows up and confirms it. Yeah, this Holy Spirit falls in the Gentile, another confirmation, and then godly counsel. And then we could go on to Acts 15. It was, it was confirmed again. It was confirmed and confirmed and confirmed and confirmed because it was such a major shift in their theology and actually having this idea to include all people in their, in their belief system and in following Jesus. And so the point is, God's not against confirmation. If you have a big decision, pray about it, check with your spirit, but say, God, I'm not sure I'm moving to Alaska. Can you confirm this and give me some signs? And, and God's not going to be angry with you, but to look for them and be aware of confirmation. Now, ways that God might confirm his voice, he might confirm it through scripture, he might be reading the Bible, and there's these verses that jump out at you, and God's saying, this is me confirming this choice that you are making. Uh, he might confirm his voice through godly counsel. I mean, Proverbs 11 says, there is success in the abundance of counselors. Or Proverbs 15, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with abundant advisors, there they are established. And so maybe a word of prophecy comes as you've been praying about this and it lines up with what decision you might need to make. Or maybe you throw it out to some friends and say, hey, would you pray about this? And how do you sense the Holy Spirit is... What do you sense the Holy Spirit is doing in this? Do you think it's a good idea? And they go and pray, and maybe they come and confirm it. Um, godly counsel. Though sometimes, uh, the counsel of other, others will actually be not right. <laughs> and sometimes you see this in Scripture, and in a lot of stories in real life about this. Uh, you know, people who are sensing the call, and all their friends say, no, that's a bad idea, but they really sense it, and they, they go out, and, and they're very successful in what they do. Uh, we see this 
Uh, for instance, in Acts t- chapter 20, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. So he feels the Holy Spirit saying, go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. There, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. The Holy Spirit's leading him. There's going to be trouble, but he senses God is calling him. But all his friends around him said, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. All the godly counsel said, don't go. But he senses God speaking and he still goes. So sometimes the counsel around you is going to be right. Sometimes it's going to be off. That's why you just got to check with the whole, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Uh, just because you receive a prophecy doesn't mean you need to, need to follow it. They might be hearing wrong. They might not be for you. Maybe God, they're not interpreting it right. I mean, the final check is always going to be what God is doing in you. But I would not make major decisions without praying, getting others to pray, getting others to prophesy, and to hear what God is saying through other people. Uh, God may confirm his voice through peace. We already saw this. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And so if you don't have peace about something, wait. God doesn't ever want you to step out of peace. And if you stepped out of peace, that means you've got to go back and find it, pick it up, and move on from there. You want to stay in peace. Number four, God will confirm his voice through repetition. Uh, I use this a lot. Made a decision, I will journal about it. I will write down how I sense God is feeling the next day, I will journal about it and write down how I sense God is feeling. The next day, I'll journal about it and write down how I sense God is feeling and see if it lines up. Because sometimes it's like, yes, yes, no. Yes, no, yes, no, 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 yes. And like, okay, something's off here. I'm not hearing God. I need some help. So, but if you hear, keep hearing say, God say, yes, yes, this is the way. Walk in it. And you're not getting any conflict and, and you're not getting mixed up by your own voice, then hey, go for it. But... He confirms his repetition. He's going to confirm it through circumstances, as we said. And then eventually he's got to step out in faith. I mean, eventually, I mean, you can't just keep asking for confirmation, 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 because sometimes God's going to say, okay, well, you just got to go. We are called to walk by faith and not just by sight. Uh, there's always a place where it's like, this is going to be a step of faith. And that's just how it operates in the spirit realm. There's always going to be a step of faith. It's always going to be, I'm not 100% sure. This is going to be a little bit challenged, but I'm just going to go and do it. I'm trusting God through this. It's just going to always be there most of the time. And we see this. This idea of stepping out of faith that most of the time you're actually never going to be 100% clear. Paul himself had this in Acts 16. Since Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Somehow there was a closed door, and they're like, prayed about, I guess, I guess we're not going there. Let's go somewhere else. And so they start going the other way. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So something else was a kind of a closed door, and maybe they prayed about it. Like, I guess God doesn't want us there. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas, and after Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. So notice how the wording is. I conclude, this is not like, I'm 100% sure. So it's like, I'm pretty sure I'm concluding that God wants us to go there. And that's how most of our decisions are going to be. I've got some confirmation. 
I'm sensing God. I'm not 100% sure, but I conclude. I'm thinking this is the way God is going to go. And so I'm just going to step out in faith, and I'm going to do it and see what happens. 